0: In verse 7, Asaph says it seems as if they always manage to acquire an abundance. And look in verses 8 and 9. In verses 8 and 9 of this psalm, Asaph says, look, they arrogantly speak as if they own the whole heaven and earth. And finally, look in verses 10 and 12 and you'll see how Asaph notes that the followers of this path continue, continue to drain dry even the fullest of cups all the while convincing themselves that god does not know what they're doing and it's working now in view of that Asaph came to the point that he was tempted to think that doing the right thing was pointless It was vain, it was futile, it was worthless, it didn't get anybody anywhere. He admits this down here in verse 13. Look what he says. He says, surely I have cleansed my heart in vain. I have been doing the right thing and it's not getting me anywhere. He says, surely I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I've been plagued and chastened. Every morning. He said those that are doing the wrong thing always get by. They, they speak arrogantly as if they own heaven and earth. They drain off you know, the fullest of cups from everybody else. They're always getting stuff from me. And he says, look, I'm doing the right thing and it's not getting me anywhere. How miserable is this? And then look what he says in verse 16. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. I just couldn't get my mind around it. Until, verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. Did you see it? He said, when I went into the sanctuary of God, when I looked into all of this, when I was there in the sanctuary and I come to understand what their end was going to be, that all that stuff that they're acquiring, they can't take with them. All that leverage and all those things that they're acquiring, they can't take that with them. However, that's what I needed to understand, he says. And he says, you know, then I was just, I was so... I was so broken up that I even considered envying them. Look what he says in verse 18. He says, surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they are brought to desolation as in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awakes, so Lord, when you awake, you shall despise their image. He said, I I understood what was going to happen to them. And he talks about terrors and destruction and all of that stuff. He talks about the slippery places there in verse 18 that the wicked's feet are going to be. Maybe he was even reminded of the fact that he says his steps had nearly slipped in verse 2. He'd almost joined them on that slippery slope. But when he saw what was going to happen to them, he says in verse 21, Thus, my heart was grieved and I was vexed in my mind. I was pierced through and through, perhaps. He said, I was so foolish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. How dumb I was to envy such people. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Do you see the contrast he makes here? Do you see the contrast that that the wicked who are draining these cups dry and they're always doing the wrong thing, but they're always having an abundance and all that? That's only going to last for a short while and then it's going to come to an end and they're going to come to an end. They're going to have nothing but, but terror in their future and destruction. But he says... You know what God continually holds my right hand he said look what I've got waiting for me in my future God guides me with counsel here and after my time here is over God will receive me into glory how foolish I was to envy those people he goes on to say whom have I in heaven but you and there is none upon earth that I desire beside you He said, whether heaven or earth, this reminds me of the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians. Whether I stay here or I go and be with the Lord, either way, I win. He says in verse 26, my flesh and my heart fail. In other words, my earthly life is going to end. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Forever. I don't need to worry about it. As long as I stay away from what the wicked are doing and I do it right, I don't have to worry about my time here. I don't have to worry about when my heart stops. I don't have to worry about when my flesh fails. God is the strength of my heart and my portion. Look at the word forever. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. It's interesting there, that word desert you implies that they were originally with God. There are those people of God that were with God, but have chosen to go back into the world. They've deserted God for harlotry. They've deserted the right way for the wrong way. They've stopped doing things the right way. They no longer do, and they've gone back to the wrong way and the sins of the world. And we know what the New Testament says about them in places like Hebrews 6 and 2 Peter chapter 2. And finally, Asaph concludes in verse 28, he says, But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. You know, one wonders as they read that just how much influence King David, the song or psalm writer himself, who actually appointed Asaph to begin with, actually had over the words and sentiments of Psalm 73. Especially when you consider the words of the psalm, which reverses the number of this one. This is Psalm 73, written by Asaph, the song or psalm leader, song or psalm writer. But Psalm 37 was written by King David, who appointed him. And if you compare Psalm 37 and Psalm 73, it's almost like these two songwriters got together in in the same building and sat down and compared notes. In conclusion, I want to encourage you, if you've ever been where Asaph ashamedly admitted that he was, I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you with some excerpts for comparison, dealing with why we as God's children must always do the right thing for the right reason, and never allow Satan to appeal to our foolish pride to get us to envy or imitate those who do things and for reasons other than God's righteous ones, as we consider King David's Psalm 37. Would you turn there, please? Psalm 37. Consider the parallels. David says, beginning at verse one, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Do the right thing, he says. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noon day." You know, when the sun shines in Oklahoma in the middle of the summer and it's up there in the afternoon, it's bright, it shows, you can't miss it and it's the same thing the psalmist here is talking about that if you do the right thing and you commit your way to the lord and you trust him in him and you do things your way and you delight yourself in his law and in what he has to say and you keep on doing that your justice is going to be obvious and evident to all the blessings that you receive from god are going to be obvious and evident to all so he says in verse seven rest in the lord And wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. He said don't worry about that. Look at verse 8. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. You know if there's a, a verse in the Psalms I wish I could really just master carrying it out this would probably be one of them don't fret don't worry about it god's got this don't worry when you see people doing the wrong things when you see them cheating when you see them doing all don't worry about it cease from anger forsake wrath don't fret it only causes harm And he goes on in this psalm. I believe that the word wicked occurs 14 times, if I remember correctly, in this particular psalm. And he contrasts all the time this idea of those who do the right thing with those who do the wrong thing. And he uses that word wicked of those who do the wrong thing in their behavior. Look, for instance, at a few of these. Look at verse 12. The wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. You know the wicked are those that aren't doing it right they they plot against they you know they devise these schemes against those who are doing it right you know what the lord does when he sees that he laughs look at verse 13. the lord laughs at him for he sees that his day is coming the wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay those who are of upright conduct but look what's going to happen to them their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken Look at verses 18 and 19. The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. Do you see the heavenly element of that? Do you see the eternal aspect of that? He says in verse 19, They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. Do the right thing. God will take care of the rest. Look at verses 21 through 24 and we see this contrast again. We see God's definition here, at least one aspect of it, when it comes to the wicked. He says, the wicked borrows and does not repay. The wicked person borrows money, but they don't pay their bills. They don't pay it back. But the righteous shows mercy and gives. Do you see the contrast For those blessed by him shall inherit the earth, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. I'll tell you what, I want to be one of those righteous who shows mercy and gives so that I can be blessed. I don't want to be one of those wicked in verse 21 who shall be cut off. Verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Isn't that awesome? God delights in the man who does the right thing wouldn't that be cool to have god say about you wow you just you just delight me you are you just make me feel so delightful i'm so grateful you know god delights in those people that do the right thing and he blesses them look at verse 24 though he fall he shall not be utterly cast down for the lord upholds him with his hand verse 27 Depart from evil and do good. In other words, do the right thing. And dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. Do you see these words forevermore and forever? Do you see how God eternally takes care of those who continue to do the right thing? But the descendants of the wicked, verse 28, shall be cut off. Verse 30, The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue talks of justice. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. Once again, this idea of the righteous steps not sliding. This idea that we saw with Asaph in Psalm 73 in the beginning, where he said that his his steps had almost slidden. And finally we would wrap up here in psalm 37 beginning at verse 37 where it says this mark the blameless man and observe the upright in other words take note of the man who's doing the right thing for the future of that man is peace but the transgressors shall be destroyed together the future of the future of the wicked shall be cut off do you see the contrast in futures i want that future in verse 37 but the future of the wicked will be cut off, verse 38. You know, the wicked don't have a lot of peace. They keep trying and trying and trying to do the wrong thing and acquire more and more. And their necklace is, and their clothing is pride and violence. And they're always in a struggle with somebody. And you know, there's just not a lot of peace. Verse 39, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. The salvation of those who are doing the right thing is from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. Uh, Man, I want to be in that verse. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. How can you tell they trust in him? in him because they do the right thing as defined by him. Folks, as faithful Christians, we must never allow Satan to convince us to envy or to imitate those who do things in an unrighteous or an ungodly manner Even though they so often seem to prosper when they do those things. But here's the thing. God is watching. And God is keeping a record. And God will reward his humble and faithful servants... Who do the right thing for the right reason and not for their own earthly gain, glory, or personal recognition. It is those humble and faithful servants who do the dirty work. Who do the work God said to do. Who do the right thing for the right reason. It is they who will be exalted while the others will be humbled thwarted and frustrated let us make sure we are never amongst that latter group the invitation is yours this morning if there's any of you who need to be baptized into christ for the forgiveness of, our, of your sins because you've never done that or maybe you've already done that and you've gotten off the path you've envied the wicked you started doing things in an ungodly way maybe you haven't done what god has told you to maybe it got too difficult and you saw those around you prospering and so you kind of went off the path god is waiting to welcome you back to help you to strengthen you to love you to protect you he's just waiting to give you a future of peace if you have that need will you come this morning as we stand and as we sing